This is Words of the Woods, a podcast from the Lake County Forest Preserves in Libertyville, Illinois. I'm Brett Pito. A quick safety note for those wondering, to maintain social distancing, we recorded all season two episodes remotely. Thanks for doing your part to help keep the preserves open for all to enjoy by following social distancing guidelines. If we didn't know it already, something I think we've learned during the coronavirus pandemic is that the earth is essential. Nature is essential. Perhaps you value it for its beauty. Maybe you value nature for its stress relief properties, or possibly you just love plants and animals, living things, and you love learning about them too. On an economic level, though, it's recently become possible to quantify some of nature's free beneficial effects, what we call ecosystem services. Things like carbon storage, water and air purification, flood mitigation, and groundwater recharge and they all fit into a larger framework of something called green infrastructure. Jim Anderson, Director of Natural Resources, is here to share his insights into how nature supports human existence and how we humans can support nature. Jim, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Brett. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here today. So I'd like to start at the beginning, or what I think is the beginning. Um, What is an ecosystem service? So an ecosystem service is uh, we're trying to believe in the ecosystem that surrounds us. You know, it does things to perpetuate itself into the future. And a lot of these things um, have benefits for for humans. Um, You know, one simple example is every flower that's out there um, draws in uh, pollinators who then uh, go and make those plants reproduce and grow. So this is a real big thing for all of our food sources. So here's this thing that nature is doing on a regular basis, and we get to benefit from it. So it's uh, something, a service that provided to humans from the ecosystem. So that's the general way to think about that uh, statement. And what different types of ecosystem services are at work in Lake County? So there's a lot of them. um, And recently we've made efforts to document them, to think about them. But uh, some of the major ones that that we look at, and, and the reason we look at them is they're quantifiable. But there are some others that are harder to quantify, but we still have those. But things like carbon storage, which certainly helps with uh, climate resiliency. Um, we also have water quality, which is very important for the things living in the water and also for humans as we use it. The quantity of water on the landscape is another uh, ecosystem service that's uh, provided. And you know that's been in the forefront with the uh, Lake County residents. Um, we see significant amount of, land, of water hitting the land and overwhelming our streams and our lakes. So that's a, a, a important one. Um, that water that also hits the landscape and infiltrates down is groundwater, which is very important for our wells and our water supply. Uh, certainly our plants in, in our woods, prairies, wetlands are serving a function. They take in carbon dioxide and give off oxygen. And so they're actually purifying the air, which is a very important thing that many people don't realize, but it, it's important. There's also the native biodiversity and um, 
that becomes an ecosystem service uh, into its own because without the the biodiversity being there, these ecosystems would collapse and they would they would generate less and less ecosystem services. But the native biodiversity also has uh, a really important aspect is that uh, people can go out and enjoy it. Um, so the Forest Preserve has, you know, 31,000 acres and, and we have trails in many of our preserves and people are, are able to go out, look at the bees, look at the birds, look at the flowers and the trees. And, and that brings them some solace to, to their life. Um, we also have pollinators. That's a really important thing for the food supply for uh, uh, ourselves. A lot of people raise uh, bees to get honey. Um, so, you know, these pollinators are really important because that that service keeps the, the native biodiversity going. One that's uh, really documented, especially lately with the COVID-19, is the um, the recreation and tourism. So uh, the Forest Preserve, uh, under the COVID uh, restrictions and safe distancing, has become a, a wonder, uh, a savior, actually, for a lot of people to get outside and be able to exercise. So that recreational aspect is there. And, you know, that those ecosystem services are measured by how much people spend on um, being outdoors, buying kayaks, uh, binoculars, driving there and back. And so those are all the things that we kind of um, think about as ecosystem service. There may be others, but th you know these are the major ones that we focus on. I'd like to get a little bit into some of the num some of the numbers that we can assign to certain services. So, would you would you mind listing the numbers that we do have? Yeah, I, no, I don't mind at all. And so, I I sort of when we and we're going to talk about this in a, in a little bit about the green infrastructure model and strategy that the Lake County Forest Preserve did. Um, you know, we zoomed in on Lake County when we did that. Um, so the way we kind of uh, enumerated the ecosystem services was back to the habitat type. And so you know, we had those four major habitats, prairie, wetlands, woodlands, the lakes and streams. And then for those things that we can enumerate, uh, carbon storage, water quality, water quantity, groundwater recharge, um, those things we put a number to. So we had a more difficult time thinking about air purification, the NATO biodiversity, the pollinators, and the recreation tourism, we couldn't really, we, we need more research there for those last four. So based on those four ecosystem services, carbon storage, water quality, water quantity, groundwater uh, recharge, we came up with some ecosystem services per acre. Um, actually, we did it for all the 31,000 acres. And then I've calculated really roughly today just dividing the number of acres we have of prairie. And so prairie provides about $16,500 per acre of ecosystem services every year. So, you know, you start multiplying that times the, the, the number of acres we have, and you easily get into the millions of, of dollars of ecosystem services on an annual basis. 
Uh, wetlands um, have a, a lot of value because they store water. And so they're about $27,000 an acre. Our woodlands, uh, it, you know, surprisingly came out kind of low compared to the, some of the other systems. You know, it's about $12,000 an acre. Um, I think there needs to be more research into that. I think uh, looking at the carbon storage, both in the tree, in the plants that are growing, if, if you got a healthy woodland, there's lots of plants growing on the ground and they do create uh, carbon in the soil. So I think that one needs to be looked at a little bit more closely, but still at $12,000 an acre, that's a significant cost. And the, the biggest bang for the buck that we get in Lake County is our lakes and streams. And that's almost uh, uh, $38,000 an acre. And so you can quickly see how, you know, if you multiply all this out by 31,000 acres and actually in Lake County, we're fortunate that the, the Illinois Department of Natural Resources owns two big, three big preserves within the county, Bolo Bog, uh, Chain of Lake State Park, and Illinois Beach State Park. So we're, you know, more up towards uh, 56,000 acres that are protected. So you can see that we have a significant number of uh, ecosystem services. And, you know, uh, some people may say, wow, that's a lot. And, you know, that, that really, that's really good, you know, and, and they may think that's all we need. But I have to say that, you know, right now we experience flooding. Um, we have climate change happening. You know, uh, most of the flooding is because of warmer temperatures. Um, we just had the third record rainfall amount in May for three years in a row. Climate change is certainly something that's influencing these ecosystem services. The Nature Conservancy has recognized uh, that climate resiliency and climate change needs to be addressed. And recently they came out uh, with their plan 30 by 30, which is to increase the amount of ownership of protected lands in the world, not, not just specifically here, but to 30% of all the land on the planet uh, by 2030. Uh, that's a pretty big task, um, but you keep in mind if you think of the lands out west in the United States or in South America or Africa or you know in, in Russia, China, there's, there's large blocks of land that, that are being protected. But for the ecosystem services here in Lake County, this, we're we're not keeping up with uh, the, the impacts that are happening to the landscape. We need to increase the amount of open space within Lake County. And there's a couple of ways to do that. Uh, the Forest Preserve can buy more land, which is a possibility. But another possibility that I think is way more achievable is to start to communicate to people about what they can do in their backyards. What can corporations do? You know, you drive by some of these corporations and, and they are just mowing acres and acres and acres of lawn. That lawn doesn't really provide a lot of flood storage. It's um, grass is almost like concrete. Once it gets saturated, the water runs right off. So if we can encourage some of these people to plant native uh, landscapes in their backyards or on the corporate lawns, then we are starting to, I always like this, this, this term, stopping the drop. Uh, so when it rains, 
that water hits the ground and stays put instead of running down to the Splange River or the Chicago River or the Fox River. It's also bringing nature to where you live and where you work. Um, you know, so I don't want to lessen the importance of forest preserves because they have great recreational value. But if at lunchtime you were able to walk out through a prairie or a woodland outside your, your workplace, it would just make a lot of sense. And then as we start to you know, restore these landscapes, these manicured landscapes. We're reducing mowing, we're reducing the use of fossil fuels, uh, we're increasing, you know, the ecosystem services that we are talking about today. It just makes a, uh, a, you know, a, a lot of sense to be thinking about trying to encourage people to put things back to a more natural landscape so that uh, we create these healthy landscapes that not only are in our forest preserves, but also in the places we live and work. And all of these ideas fit into uh, a larger framework, I think, which is green infrastructure, and which you mentioned a little bit ago. Um, I think we're all familiar with human-made gray infrastructure, roads, bridges, sidewalks, buildings, houses. On the other side of the coin, what is green infrastructure exactly? Green infrastructure is just trying to use um, nature-based solutions for resolving some of our, our impacts on the landscape. Trying to do it on a regional uh, basis is trying to create that 400,000 acres or um, envisioning how we can increase that 400,000 acres to be, you know, 30% of the region that, that the Nature Conservancy is talking about. Uh, you know, whether or not we can get that done by 2030, you know, that's 10 years. That's a lot of, that's a very short window. But um, I think in order for us to be thinking about being a, a, a progressive with uh, economic development in the region, uh, we also have to be thinking about how we can manage the, the impacts from that economic development. The FedEx uh, facility in Grace Lake uh, did a really good job of bringing green infrastructure right to their campus. And so um, they, they did a very good job of using native landscaping to help them reduce the amount of storage that they were required by the Stormwater Management Commission to put on the landscape. Um, the Forest Preserve over the past 10 years has added more lands to the Forest Preserve holdings, and many of those have been adjacent to or connecting current preserves and, or enlarging preserves, and that makes that system function better. So green infrastructure is using nature-based solutions, providing open space on the grand scale, and then also using nature-based solutions such as native landscaping, rain barrels, rain gardens on a local level too. And so it's really important for us, you know, you talked early on about how do we communicate the this out about ecosystem services. One of the best ways to do this is to get to municipalities and, and get them to be thinking about it when they're approving um, development plans, that they're improving development plans that use native landscaping. 
You know, we just went through the loss of all of our ash trees in the region. And that was a significant burden on local communities because a lot of people used ash trees because they were great street trees. They grow really fast. They were easy to take care of, but they all died at once from uh, uh, a pest that came in. Again, a, a human influence on the landscape. And so, you know, we've been really working with the uh, Morton Arboretum to rethink what our urban tree canopy looks like. And um, we really want to, again, talking about bringing nature into your backyard or workplace, we really want to encourage the use of native species um, to enhance the, the landscape around sort of the green infrastructure on a local setting. So, you know, green infrastructure is really about using nature to balance the influence of humans but also to enhance that system so that it serves better functions on the long term. We want to make sure that anything that we're doing at green infrastructure leads to a prioritized investment of dollars being spent now so that the future, you don't have to come in and correct the problem, which is always going to be three to four times more. And so um, maybe even more than three to four times. Um, So, you know, it's a little bit of a preventive um, uh, action that we, that we can take by thinking about doing this green infrastructure now. Certainly, we've seen the benefits from everybody using the forest reserves during the pandemic. Um, you know, they've been a godsend. Um, now we need to start translating that to the local landscape and and bringing nature to people's backyards. Uh, you know, I love sitting, uh, th- this year we were sitting out with our neighbors at a fire and all of a sudden heard a great tree frog in our backyard. And I leaned over to my wife and said, honey, we did it. We created a natural area in our backyard. So it, that was pretty, you know, I was like a pretty big moment this year because I've had butterflies before and dragonflies and nice birds and everything. But the great tree frog was kind of like the, um, cherry on top of the ice cream for us. That's pretty cool. Yep. Can you explain some of the basic terms of green in, of green infrastructure? Um, you mentioned corridors, but I know there are also core areas, hubs, any others you can think of? Yeah. So um, when we started doing the green infrastructure vision and the green infrastructure model and strategy that Lake County did, um, you know, we kind of look at the landscape and and say, well, you know, uh, we have Lakewood Forest Preserve, which is 4,000 acres. Uh, we have um, Wadsworth Savannah, which is uh, 1,500 acres. We have the Illinois Beach State Park and, and the Lake Plain. Um, if you work up into uh, Wisconsin with Chalky Prairie, there's about about four to 5,000 acres there. And those things are, are what we would call cores. Um, they're large areas that uh, have nature on it. Um, Most of those areas have been restored to a natural condition. They're serving great functions and, and, and they're really good cores where nature can be. So these large areas can also be identified as hubs because if you start building these corridors, which are connection between the core areas and uh, so the hub is like, you know, if you can imagine a, a wagon wheel, you know, if you have several connecting corridors to other smaller reserves that are near or adjacent, you know, you start creating this hub where 
plants and animals and nature and ecosystem services can function um, through these connections and between these smaller preserves and the big preserves. So we, we tried to be able to sort of categorize the landscape when we started doing this green infrastructure. We wanted to think about where these core areas are because those are the, you know, those are the real important ones. Where is, so if you were to turn off all the boundaries of the forest preserve and, and you didn't know it was a forest preserve and you would look and see where all the, the endangered or threatened species were, you know, that would give you some kind of idea of what would be important for a core. If you have 10 endangered or threatened species there instead of one, you would imagine that that's pretty important and that would be a core area. Um, you can do the same thing by going out and, and documenting all the plants on the site and all the animals and start to come up with these indexes. And so as the index number gets higher for a certain spot, that can give you information about what a core is. And so where those numbers are high and those endangered and threatened species are and the natural habitats are, that allows us to say that this has a core function and then in order to sustain that long-term, uh, we need to connect these uh, cores uh, via this hub system with the corridors. And so those are kind of things that we have done on that, on that more regional basis. Some people think, well, that's really good, but how's that influence me in my neighborhood? Well, you know, a lot of neighborhoods in their back, everybody's backyard has, I won't say everybody's, a, a lot of people, have a swale that probably runs through their land. And so if we were to change that swale from mowed grass to an, a native landscape, and that ran through the community behind one set of houses and another set of houses and another set of houses, all of a sudden you started to have these small little connecting cores. And if there's a, a, a city park that it connects to, then that becomes like part of the hub. And if that gets connected to the forest preserve or some other protected land, then, it, then you start having that relationship so you know even the, the, the local parks if they were to think about going more native um starts to build this network of areas that we would like to see that we would like to talk about green infrastructure so we talk about it on the big um the big scope of these core areas corridors and hubs there's also we can dive down and get these things to be on a smaller basis right in someone's backyard or where they work. In 2016, you helped prepare our green infrastructure model and strategy for Lake County. Uh, which is a comprehensive plan to design these networks of open spaces and natural resources that connect communities. How did our green infrastructure model and strategy come about? Was it a was it a, a conversation that sparked it? When we hired on a new executive director, we were looking for some direction of where do we put our resources. You know, recently, Chicago, uh, the, the Chicago Metropolitan Area for Planning came out with this on to 2050 planning uh, document, and they talked about prioritized investment. So to really think about where the Forest Preserve should be spending its dollars, um, we really needed to have a really good understanding of the landscape we are working with. So 
kind of follows right in footsteps with the Chicago Wilderness Green Infrastructure. But the advantage that we had in Lake County was that we have an incredible, incredible map services uh, division in, in the county government. And they have collected all sorts of uh, geographical information data um, on the landscape. They've also got good demographic data. So we know, you know, we can go and see what size the parcel is, you know, what, what's the landscape, what's the land use, and all these different factors that I, I think Lake County just is, uh, from the map services point of view, is, is a real leader in the region. And so we knew that with the information that we had, uh, we had much more specific information than, let's say, we used for the Chicago Woolens Green Infrastructure. So we wanted to get down and make ours a little bit more, well, actually, I would say a lot more specific and build this framework of, again, on, on a regional basis of the cores and hubs and what's important out there and where we should be looking to put our investments in the future. So that's kind of what was driving it. I think uh, the plan, the, the, the strategy is very, very influential and we are using it to drive our decisions. It's a, it's a means and a methods to use actual data to drive our decisions. And so that was kind of where that, that pro process came from, was really being able to tell the public, hey, we're not just going to go put this preserve here, that preserve there. We're going to go focus where it's going to get us the biggest bang for the buck. And, and we've got this data behind us that tells us that's where we should be doing it. What are a few steps our listeners right now can take today, tomorrow, this weekend to protect or expand ecosystem services, natural areas, whether in the preserves or their own neighborhoods, their own yards? So the Forest Preserve would love everybody to come out and, and volunteer for the Forest Preserve. And that's one way to get connected to the landscape. We have uh, what we call land stewardship uh, stewards who uh, lead work days, uh, cutting buckthorn, pulling garlic mustard, uh, collecting seed, planting that seed, planting tree species, um, and just restoring nature on, on the landscape. And they can do this pretty much very close to where they live. We have a lot of uh, sites that have volunteer stewards working on them. We would encourage people to think about how they can incorporate nature into their landscape. We've been working with the Morton Arboretum uh, in Lyle on how to think about this. We recently created uh, a brochure, Healthy Hedges, and I think that's on our webpage, Brett. Um, so that's an incredible document if you want to see what the possibilities are for your backyard. Certainly there is a land trust in the region that are willing to come out and help you talk about what you can do on your land. Um, you know, there's a conservation at home program that uh, Open Lands uh, does in Lake County. Uh, Citizens for Conservation also does backyard habitats. And so there's a couple of different ways that you can do it, but the primarily is, um, you know, changing the landscape that you live in around you. You can do it right in your backyard. You can come out and volunteer with the Forest Preserve and help us. You can donate to the Forest Preserve. We have the, the Lake County Forest Preserve Preservation Foundation. You know, you can donate to them. That money goes to help fund ecological restoration on the landscape. 
you know, I, I wish I could show you pictures of my backyard. Uh, when we moved into our home, you know, 27 years ago, we planted native trees in our backyard. And I have one of the most gorgeous bur oak trees and another ironwood tree that just, uh, they just fit right in the landscape. And, uh, and, they're, and they're gorgeous. They provide habitat for birds that come, you know, orioles come to my yard on a regular basis. Uh, even seen a scarlet tanager come in. Um, I've got house wrens nesting in my boxes in my backyard. You know, there's things you can do for the wildlife in your backyard that draws them there. Bat boxes, um, bird houses um, are, are very good things. Even just a, you know, a sort of a water refuge of just making a little bird bath, excuse me. Um, you know, having a decent bird bath in your backyard can bring in not only the birds, but also the you know the dragonflies they they sense water and so i think the the big thing is just getting to know what your opportunities are uh we have opportunities on our webpage to look at that our green infrastructure models and strategy is online you can find that under conservation and then you know there's things that on morton arboretum the chicago regional tree initiative that's out there you can think about that um, many of us have plant sales in the region. You can visit the botanical garden where it's a, you know, uh, an easy walk to go see some of these natural habitats and see what you might like. But I would encourage you to go into some of our forest preserves. Uh, the habitat and the plants are there. And then if you got questions, contact us. We're more than willing to share our information with you so that you can have a better understanding of what green infrastructure and ecosystem services are. I know those are kind of big words and they're, you know, they're kind of technical terms, but when you turn around and take green infrastructure into nature-based uh solutions and ecosystem services is just the health of you health of you and the landscape around you um, that might help you and, and maybe that's one thing that we need to be thinking about is talking about these things in a different format and a different term so that it's more relatable to people and 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 you know they all of a sudden have that aha i got it moment and so I think that's the biggest things that we can do. And so we offer a lot of opportunities and, you know, my biggest thing is ask the question and if we can't answer it, we shouldn't be doing what we're doing. But I, I think we're, I think the forest reserve has done a really good job of thinking about how to provide that green infrastructure that might offset. Well, it, it can offset some of the gray infrastructure, but it's not going to offset at all. And so we need to encourage people like the listeners today and corporations and municipalities to be thinking about green infrastructure in new places where they haven't thought about it before. And that's your backyard and that's your workplace and even your community. You know, if you can get your park district to stop mowing so much of the grass and put natives in, that's um, that's that's an a, and then if you're looking to tend that, that's so, uh, that's one of the ways to get you out in and and start becoming an ecosystem service yourself. Now that we've talked about what nature does for people, I want to look into that idea a little more closely because I think there's a cultural tendency to feel like 
we need to justify preserving natural areas because they provide a valuable service to people rather than preserving them for their inherent value as natural areas. Um, do you have any, any thoughts about this? What, what is the inherent value of nature in your mind? So I, I come at this from a very unique perspective because I was um, extremely fortunate as a young man. Uh, by the time I was 18, my parents had taken me to every state in the United States except Hawaii and Alaska. So I grew up in nature. I grew up in a, in a subdivision that was on the edge of nature. My family was, you know, they, they weren't like into nature, but they always had me in nature. Um, and so I think that kind of formulated my life and my connection to natural areas. I still to this day have vivid memories of seeing my first moose or my first grizzly bear or my first hummingbird and um you know and and then all of a sudden it you know i certainly don't see moose and bear in my backyard but i do see hummingbirds now because i've planted native plants in my backyard and really you don't have to plant let's say native plants but you can plant uh, plants that are good nectar source for hummingbirds and and they will come into your backyard. Nature can come to you. You know, I, I took a group of people on a tour through Ryerson Woods. And um, I, I joke a lot with uh, uh, Brett's uh, supervisor, Allison, about this because she created some uh, interpretive panels out there that talk about the red-headed woodpecker. And every time I've gone out there since uh, that sign has been put up and we've done the canopy thinning out there, Every time we stand at that sign, there's a red-headed woodpecker, not on the panel, but right in the trees, right in front of us. And it's really such a joy to, to see that, to see nature there, and to be able to actually experience it in, the, in that fashion. These species are, you know, I, I go back to, they, they understand history. Um, they have it in their gene pool. It's there. Um, so if we get into a prolonged period where it's really wet, like we're currently in, not not knowing if this will stay or not, but or if we get into a really dry period or a really cold or hot period, these species overall, in the, their whole population, are adapted to surviving those conditions. And if we start losing places for those things to be, then we start losing that gene pool. You know, that, that memory bank. And, and we really need to maintain that memory bank so that um, that we as humans have a place to live uh, in the future. Because if nature can't survive, humans are not going to survive. Um, you know, we can't lose all of our bee species. That is just, it's just not possible. You know, we need things to pollinate things. We need things to provide us food and um you know, nature is a, is a great place to be. I really love going to places like Yellowstone and Grand Canyon and, and seeing all the different people that are there. That's really, uh, I really love, you know, the diversity of, of, of people at some of these places, you know, shines on me. And I get to sit down and talk to someone from the Sahara of Africa or uh, we talk to this 
couple that was from Australia, and you know they were going around and and took a year off in, in their busy life, and they were visiting all the major natural areas in the world. And I was so envious of those two that they were able to do that. But, you know, it was like meeting up with them and spending an evening with them when we were in the Porcupine Mountains um, was just a, a, a tremendous value to me just for, you know, my personal growth. So nature brought people to me. And I always, you know, I, I think, um, you know, we have, a, as human beings, we have a a responsibility to to the landscape that we live in and so you know everybody takes care of their house everybody takes care of their driveway they mow their grass um you know we should be doing the same thing for the planet uh i just think you know we have a, a responsibility to make sure that um natural systems are functioning around us so so my last question for today is if there's one parting piece of wisdom or advice you could share with our listeners, what might that be? You know, I, I think the most critical thing that anybody can do right now is to become informed. Um, and um, when there's something interesting in front of you, listen and listen deeply. Uh, understand what's going on. Ask questions. Uh, become informed. You know, we started out this talk today about the, the value of nature and ecosystem services. Uh, many people that may be listening are still wondering, what is an ecosystem service? Well, we're here to offer uh, an opportunity to explain that. That's the primary focus of the Forest Preserve, is to create benefits for human beings um, and nature. Um, but we really are, you know, we are reliant upon tax dollars. And those tax dollars are paid by humans. And we certainly want uh, the citizens of Lake County and everybody else that uses our preserves to have an understanding of why we're doing it and why it's important and how it can benefit them. So um, we're, we're, we're willing to tell that story. Uh, there's others out there telling that story. I think people need to become engaged and become informed. And then once they start becoming, you know, engaged, they just, just need to listen and listen deeply. That's something that I've, um, you know, really started doing in the last 10 years of my career is, is trying to listen and listen deeply so that I have a clear understanding of what it is. And if, if we don't have an understanding after that, ask a question. And, and we're here. We have a very good staff that can answer questions about the forest reserves and or nature or biodiversity or ecosystem services and green infrastructure. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jim. My pleasure. My pleasure. My thanks to Jim Anderson for sharing his thoughts today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Would you mind rating and reviewing our podcast? You can see everything the Lake County Forest Preserves is up to at lcfpd.org. And if you're a social media fan, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at LCFPD. Words of the Woods is written, hosted, and produced by me, Brett Pito. Thanks so much for listening. As always, take a moment, get outside, and listen to what the woods are saying in your Lake County Forest Preserves. Next week on Words of the Woods. Take a moment and imagine this. Crisp fall air. 
warm apple cider and donuts, a relaxed hike through evening woods, and along the trail, four or five nature-themed skits that make you laugh and provide a Halloween experience that doesn't need to be scary to be enjoyable. All of these elements combine into a successful run of Halloween Hikes, our annual autumn event at Ryerson Conservation Area in Riverwoods. How do we pull off a new, even better than the last iteration of Halloween Hikes every year? Start carving your jack-o'-lanterns now and tune in next week. Words of the Woods is a production of the Lake County Forest Preserves in Libertyville, Illinois.